kindergartners, that was so beautiful. Thank you so much. I was so glad to hear that Jesus is the king of your heart. Thank you for reminding us of that. He's the king of my heart too. And I love how you look in your princess dresses and your armor of God armor. That is really nice. Thank you so much. Beautiful, beautiful job. Almost too much cuteness in one place. It was a little more than I could almost bear. So beautiful. Pastor Jeff is going to be so sad. He just texted me and he said, that is wonderful. I know he's sad he can't see it in person right now. We have some awesome teachers at our schools. Thank you so much, kindergartners. Will you bow your heads in prayer with me? Jesus, you are the king of my heart. You are the king over all the earth. And someday we'll get to see you come in glory. Right now my prayer is thank you for those precious, precious kids. And please help them to always choose you to be king over their heart. I pray that your presence would be rich and strong, continue to be rich and strong as it has been this morning. For all the ways that you show up in little kids' voices, in stories, and song. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence today. Amen. So it's been quite the month at my house. On January 18, 17 and 18, we moved into a new house. And the day after we moved in, reluctantly, with my encouragement, Jeff left to work for a week and a half on his doctoral project. And then not long after that, Ariel got sick. Influenza B came to visit our new home, and she was just laid out. Actually, it was Aaron first. Aaron first. You know Aaron is sick. You know how you know Aaron is sick? Because he stops moving. And he lays down, and then you know you're in trouble. And he laid down for about a week. And then it was Ariel with serious, serious fevers for five to seven days. Anybody else had this visit their house? I'm so sorry. It's been a bad one. And then it went to Pastor Jeff, but it was interrupted by stitches where Nathan ran so hard into a pole that it put, popped a hole through his pants leg, through his sock, and two holes in his leg that need to be stitched. And then it was Pastor Jeff, and I'm sorry to disappoint you today. Pastor Jeff is watching from home today, getting the online experience. I think we have a picture. Do we have a sick selfie of Pastor Jeff and Ariel earlier? <laughs> that man is hilarious. He's really funny usually, but I wish you could hear him when he has a fever. Um, we call it happy mouth. He gets so happy, and he just talks, 
And um, something I do when my kids are sick or, or, you know, someone's sick in our house is I'll try to visit them periodically in between laundry and doing the meals or getting back from work, whatever. And I'll say, is there anything I can do for you? Or um, can I help you with anything? And I'm expecting a response like, yes, I'd really need some more ibuprofen. Or could you bring me a drink of water or hot cloth for my head? And I said to Jeff, can I help you with anything? And he said, you can help me sing a song. <laughs> okay, what song would you like to sing? <laughs> I was not expecting that, but that's a delirium answer. And even in his delirium, he heard himself say it and he started laughing because he knew that was funny. You just don't know what's going to come out of his mouth, but it's always amusing. And um, I, I stand before you today tired. I've been trying so hard for the last, really since the month before Christmas, buying this house and everything, just to put one foot forward in front of the other and just do the next right thing. Jesus, what's the next right thing to do? Give me the strength to focus on that. What's the next right thing to do? But I want to say, I stand before you tired, but I do not stand before you unrested because I have peace in my heart and mind. And that is a gift from God. And my prayer today is that whatever you came in here with, you will not leave with it if it is a worry or a burden, if it's a sin or an unforgiven bitterness. I just pray that you will leave it here at the throne of God today. Our God is so trustworthy. And I'm wondering how you find yourself this morning. Are you troubled? Are you at rest? Is your heart and mind racing? Are you, like Martha, troubled and worried about many things? And the busyness of this world just has your mind constantly going? Or is your mind slowly grinding on something that happened a long time ago? Or something that is yet to happen that you keep praying for? Are you like Abraham and Sarah before the birth of Ishmael? Your thoughts aren't whirling in busyness about many things, but maybe like a broken record around one unanswered prayer. And that unanswered prayer is breaking your heart and causing grief that makes you wonder, where is God in your life? Maybe you've prayed this prayer for so long that you wonder, is he hearing me? Is there something blocking me in heaven? Maybe God loves everyone else but me. Wherever you find yourself, I have such good news for you this morning. Because we get to hear again an ancient invitation from a very present God that is still relevant today and in this second and it's from Jesus I memorized it when I was little it's from Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30 so when I say it I, I kind of mix up KJV and, and NIV but it's his word and I bet you know it if you know it say it in the version that you know it come unto me all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn of me For I am meek and lowly, or humble in heart, and you will find 
beautiful church. Did you hear how many people knew that? It gives me chills. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now you may have been one of the kindergartners singing and you're thinking, my yoke is easy. I don't even like yokes. Yellow and runny, so disgusting. That is not the kind of yoke that Jesus is talking about when he says his yoke is easy. It's not over easy or hard or medium. He's talking about a very simple tool that they had in the ancient Near East. It was made out of wood and it put two of their strongest engines together because the big engine to plow your field so you could eat in the ancient Near East and in some countries still today was an ox because they could just and plow that field. And if you put two together, then you had a two ox engine and they would yoke them together, often a more inexperienced ox with a bigger and stronger, more experienced ox. And they would hoe that row, plow that row. And that is what Jesus is offering us today. Stick close with me. And dearly loved daughter or son of God, if you came in here and your burden isn't light, then that is something Jesus doesn't want you to carry. Something that is so interesting to me is that our God would offer to us the ability to put our burdens on him. Will you just think about that for a second? What do you think of when you think of a a burden bearer? I think of those little donkeys and they put things on their back and they go on the trails. Our God is saying, load me up, put your burdens on me. And I think, what? You're my God. I should be carrying things for you. I'm your servant. But he says, no, I'm your helper. Because the sin you're carrying is too heavy for you. The grief and the worry is not something that you were built to carry. So give it to me. All you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Every time I read that, it's like I get something different out of it. And recently I read it over with my Jesus and Contemporary Society students, and the words that stuck out to me are rest for your souls. I thought about soul rest. Doesn't that sound good? Soul rest. And I don't know what that means to you. To me, it means an untroubled heart and mind. It means a feeling of safety and security, a feeling of well-being, and it's going to be okay, despite what circumstances tell me. Soul rest is an untroubled heart and mind, a mind that isn't troubled by worry, a heart that trusts God to be the righteous judge and isn't troubled by unforgiveness. We've been talking about creation health and we're continuing creation health today do you remember what letter we're on kids can you say it really loud what letter are we on we're on t that's right adults do you remember what t stands for trust and that is the topic of our sermon today and trust has been the topic of my last couple weeks a personal topic between god and i And so I just want to share with you from his word and from my experience what he's teaching me. Why? Why should we trust God? It's a big deal to trust somebody. 
Maybe your heart has been broken before. Probably somebody has been untrustworthy. Maybe really young in your life and it makes it hard for you to trust. One of the first reasons that we should trust God is because the Bible tells us so. And in the world, we don't get to hear truth a lot. We get to hear things like what showed up that a friend forwarded me on a text or an email the other day. I think it was Thursday of this week. It's from a blog called The Economic Collapse. Are you prepared for the coming economic collapse and the next Great Depression? 21 reasons why you should be worried. Happy Sabbath. There are so many things to be worried about, legitimate things, things that we don't know if they're legitimate or not. In our world, the world tells us to worry, but our God tells us to trust. Sometimes I just love hearing verses one after another because they're just so powerful and it's true and it sounds good in my ear. So I'm going to just read you about nine trust verses in a row because this is what your God says to you today. Have I not commanded you? This is from Joshua 1.9. Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid. If you know any of these, say them with me. Neither be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That was Jeff's family's family verse. It's a good one, isn't it? Joshua 1, 9. The next one is from 2 Samuel 7, 28. Sovereign Lord, you are God. Your covenant is trustworthy. And you have promised these good things to your servant. Psalms 9:10. Those who know your name trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. You, Lord, sometimes you forsake those. You've forsaken a few. Most people you don't forsake when they seek you. What is the truth? You have never forsaken those who seek you. You seek God and find him with a whole heart and you will find him. And he will never leave you or forsake you. Another couple from the psalmist. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. Some trust in chariots and stock markets. Some trust in their cars or their house or their bonds. Some trust in their job. Some trust in their relationships. Some trust in their health. Some trust in their diet. Some trust You fill in the blank. But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. But I trust in you, Lord. I say, you are my God. And when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. Lord Almighty, what does it say about the one who trusts in the Lord? Blessed. Blessed is the one who trusts in you. So the one who doesn't trust is what? Is cursed. We bring it on ourselves when we don't trust. Do not let your hearts be troubled. This is Ariel's favorite verse. And if this ever, if we ever do it, worship, tell your favorite verse. She always does John 14, 1 through 3. I memorized this, I think, in the King James. If you know it, say it with me. And you can say it in the NIV. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. 
I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come again and receive you unto myself so that where I am... Does it give you chills to hear the whole congregation repeating that? That's one of my favorite verses, and that is currently Ariel's favorite. She's clapping for you. Here's two others. This is from Daniel. The king was overjoyed when he saw Daniel alive and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, there were only a couple scratches and one or two bites that needed to be stitched. No wound was found on him because he had what? Trusted in God. Are you in a den right now? It could be a den of iniquity. It could be a den of financial crisis. It could be a den of health crisis or relational crisis. It could be a faith crisis. Trust is the way out or the way through. And then from almost the last of the last book, he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Our God is trustworthy, and that's the next reason we should trust him, because that is what the whole great controversy is about. Can you really trust him? He said that, and you think... That because he said not to eat the fruit, that you shouldn't eat it? He said you would die? Is God trustworthy or is he not? And if we're going to say we trust him, why not trust him all the way and get the benefit of what we say we believe? We need peace. We need soul rest. And the only way to have it is to trust in God. How do we wait? Sometimes we wait just barely holding on. And sometimes we wait with joyful anticipation. And I just want to say today, when you pray, expect God to show up. Expect God to show up in some way. Because he will. He will either show up and change the circumstance Like he did when the apostles, the disciples were crying out, Lord, don't you care? Save us. We are about to drown and you're sleeping. And he woke up and he changed the circumstances. He said to the wind and the waves like they were naughty children, peace, be still. And because he was the creator, they obeyed. And sometimes he shows up and as the popular Christian song says, he just calms his child And he just holds his child through the storm. Sometimes he shows up and he changes circumstances. And sometimes he just changes our hearts. But let me ask you, what is the greater miracle? To change the circumstance or to help somebody stay calm and secure in the midst of a crisis? Sometimes he changes people through the circumstance. If he's not answering the big thing that you're waiting for, look for him to show up in little things. Because sometimes, if we're so focused on the one thing he hasn't answered, 
we start to not be able to see all the ways that he is providing, that he does care. Ways that he is loving us. Because he is love. Not he is loving, which he is. But he is love, the Bible said. And he wants to communicate us with us. He doesn't want to condemn us. Do you remember John three seventeen? It says, God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but so that the world through him might be saved. If he wanted to condemn us, we're dead. We're condemnable. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I have I have had thoughts this morning that I have said, Lord, that is not what I want on top. I do not want that. I want to be filled with you. That is not what I want. If he wanted to condemn us and kill us, we would not be here. He wants to save us. But he cannot save people who don't trust him. He can't pull us out. He can't speak in a way that we can hear. He cannot save those who cannot trust. What is the opposite of trusting in God? I'm going to look at two ways that are the opposite. One is distrust, obviously. If you don't trust him, you distrust. But this is a real problem for us. Because if you distrust someone, you cannot hear from them, even when they are speaking to you. If I say to someone who doesn't trust me, have a nice day, in their mind they're thinking, oh yeah, you think you want to have a nice day, I know what you really mean, have a nice day. If my daughter doesn't trust me and I put out a meal in front of her, she's going to think, should I look for poison? Is there something hidden in this? If she doesn't trust me, she might think, mom just fixes this because she knows I don't like it. Someone can give you a gift And if you don't trust them, you're looking for the strings attached. Oh, yeah, I wonder what they want from this. Do you understand that God cannot show up and give you good gifts if you don't trust him? You can't even hear him well if you don't trust him. And it dishonors God when we don't trust him. Hebrews 11, 6 says, without faith, faith, without trust, It's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Another opposite of faith and trust is worry. Are you a faith warrior or are you a faith worrier? Are you someone who just worries their prayers? You just repeat it and you repeat it and you go to God and you say, please bless this person in my life. Please do this. Please do this. And you leave there with that worry still on your mind. You leave there without the peace and the trust that you could have left with because you're just worrying it. When we worry... We bring great harm on ourselves. Worry causes headaches. Worry causes migraines sometimes. Worry causes teeth grinding at night. Worry causes hypertension. Worry and fear cause you to be in your fear and flight 
place in your brain which shunts blood away from your prefrontal cortex. It shunts blood away from your digestive system. It can cause adrenal exhaustion. Worry and fear take away from your joy. If Satan can't, the the kids sing it. He may not be able to steal your salvation, but he sure can steal your what? Your joy. Worry is a thief. You can develop ulcers. Not trusting in the God who saved you to be the righteous judge over people who have wronged you can cause you to lose sleep over bitterness and unforgiveness. And in the book Forgive to Live, Dr. Dick Tibbetts made a direct correlation between unforgiveness and anger and high blood pressure and heart disease and heart attack. God wants you to trust him because he cannot bless you in the ways that you need to be blessed if you do not. Worrying doesn't change anything for our good. Matthew 6, 25 through 34 on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, do not worry for anything. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Does worry change anything? It can't add a year to your life. It can't add a hair to your head. Isn't life more than food and, and the body more than clothes? Therefore, I tell you, Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow, they don't reap, but your heavenly father cares about them. Look at the lily of the field. Aren't you more valuable than birds and flowers? And then switch the slide. Can, one of, can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? No, but could you lose a couple hours? Yeah, you sure could. You could lose years. Or you could just lose years of peace and a feeling of well-being. So why do you worry? Let's go to the last part. I want to go to the last part of the verse. I think it's um, there. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. I love Jesus. Look at what he's saying here. It's just funny. Tomorrow, worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Can you just stay present with me? Jesus invites us. How about just right now? Just right now with Jesus. Right now you're sitting in a pew. You might be hungry, but I bet you have food to go home to. Right now you're safe. Right now you're clothed. Right now you seem to me from here to be in your right mind. Right now you're safe. Can you just relax and be in the present moment with Jesus? The great I am who says, I am. I am with you. I am everything you need. I am the same God that I was for Esther and for Daniel. I am. Worrying doesn't change anything for the good. In fact, the Bible says that worrying can actually bring about evil. If you want to turn with me to Psalm 37, it'll already be on the screen too. But I love this Psalm 37, 1 through 9, I've been memorizing it for a while. It starts out, do not fret because of those who are evil. What's another word for fret? Worry, okay? Don't worry about those who are evil. Maybe you're working with evil people. Maybe you're worried about ISIS. Maybe you're worried about the elections and who's going to be in office. Maybe you're looking at evil people that you, and you're thinking, why are you blessing them, Lord? God says, you keep your eyes on me. And he says, do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. 
For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. And then what do you do? Instead of worry, trust. Trust in the Lord. And while you're trusting, do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Right now, our country is not under siege. Right now, our country is not currently in war on our soil. Right now, can you just enjoy what we have instead of worry about what we might not? That would please your father. Take delight while you're not worrying and while you're trusting. And he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteous rewards shine like the dawn. Your vindication like the noonday sun. Just be still before the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways. That's none of your business. People get what's coming to them. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a person sows, they're going to reap it in time. That's not your business. How are you doing with God? Don't fret when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger. Turn from wrath. And listen to this. Do not fret. It leads only to what? What does worry lead to? That's pretty strong. Can you think for a second in your holy imagination? Can you remember a time when worry has led you to evil? Has worry or fear, anxiety led you to snap at your kids? Has it led you to be cold to your husband? Has it led you to to be angry in your heart at the person in the car that just cut you off? Has worry and anger led you to drink? Has it led you to a drug? Has it led you to work in a way that was injurious to your health? Worry leads to evil. But trust leads to the the goodness of God. God is inviting us to soul rest. And there's a way in which God will be to us what we expect. I don't want to, you can take this too far. But think about what David says in the psalm and Paul quotes in 2 Timothy. He says, to the faithful you show yourself faithful. This is the psalm. To the blameless you show yourself blameless. To the pure, pure. But to the devious, shrewd. Think about the parable of um, the unwise servant with a talent. Do you remember what he said when God came back, or the master came back to visit? He said, I knew you were what? I knew you were harsh. I was scared, so I played it safe. And was the master pleased with that? He said, I knew you were harsh. He said, let me show you harsh. You're expecting harsh? I can do harsh. There is a way in which what you expect is what you will get. Because you will see through that lens. You will hear through that filter. You will interpret through your understanding. In 2 Timothy, and here's where he keeps it from going too far. 
If we died with him, we will also live with him. He says, this is a trustworthy and true saying. It's worth believing. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. And if we are faithful, faithless, he remains faithful because he can't disown himself. He is who he is. He is loving and he is God. But there is a way in which what we expect from him is what we will get from him. There's a bumper sticker, I don't know if you've said it, that says, no God with a K-N, like no God, no peace. And then it says, N-O, no God, no peace. There is a God-shaped vacuum, a God-shaped emptiness inside us. We are made for relationship with God. And anything we go to to bring us peace on a regular basis that is not God becomes an idol. And anything we go to for comfort on a regular basis that is not God will either disappoint us or abuse us. If you go to a person and you try to put that person in that God-shaped hole, you will either be disappointed with them or in a codependent relationship where you give them a right to be Lord in your life, and that's abuse. You can go to work, you can go to a substance, you name it. You can go to food, you can go to TV, you can go to movies. Anything you put there to bring you peace that is not God will turn around and either disappoint you or abuse you. Why are you cast down, O oh my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope again in God, for I will yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Trusting our children to God is one of the hardest ways that we trust. And the older they get, the harder it becomes. Because we can't make them put on their coat to go out anymore. And our role in their life changes. And God is calling me to not be a prayer warrior in their lives. But to be a prayer warrior. Because if we do not trust God with our children. Because that is a burden that our soul cannot carry. Only God can carry the burden of a soul. We can pray, we can train, and we can model trust in God. If they come visit us and they see our worry that we are just completely downcast, if we are so fearful because of them, what are we offering them? Into what are we inviting them? One of the uh, things, there were two things that were a lot harder in the last couple weeks than the flu and stitches and moving and still not being able to find my makeup or one of my purses um, is, that is a hardship as you know ladies. I just will talk to you about it later. But um, was relational hardship. I, I got two huge hits relationally that caused fear in me. One fear that it would never be resolved and another fear that somebody might totally make choices that would make them lose their salvation. 
And um, I remembered, by the grace of God, what I had promised my students in Introduction to Spiritual Discipline class. Not this Tuesday, right before this Sabbath, but a week ago, I gave them a challenge, a seven-day trust challenge. I said, can you believe God is good for seven days? Just whatever happens, can you take it to God and believe he's good and that he will answer? And I'm going to do this with you. I've done it before, but I'm doing it again. I tell you what, the first couple of days were such a joy. There is, remember that, that movie, or maybe you saw the, read the book, I never read it, by Milan Kundera called um, The Incredible Lightness of Being. There is a lightness, I'm not recommending it, as I said, I haven't read it. There is a lightness of being when you are trusting in God. And I walked in that lightness for four days until those relational things just took my breath away. And then I had a choice. I prayed and I had a choice and God reminded me, are you going to trust me in this or not? I know because you're human that you all know the pull to despair. You all know the pull of, I prayed, but I'm still worried. And I don't know if or when or how God is going to show up this time. And that fear in the pit of your stomach And by the grace of God, I chose against it. It was a wrestling match. And I chose against it. And it felt so good. And you can choose against it too. You can choose to trust and have soul rest on anything. You know what Job said? Even if he slay me, yet will I trust in him. The more you know God, the more you know I can trust him no matter what. I can't even see all the time with my physical eyes what he's doing on this, in the spiritual realm. Today Jesus is inviting you again to come and rest. What a beautiful and simple invitation. Do you prefer being burdened? Do you prefer dragging things that are almost about to break your back? Or would you like to leave with lightness of being today? I want you to think right now of the thing that nags you the most. It's relational or it's vocational. It's financial. It's a health issue. And I want you to hold it up to your vision of God and ask yourself the question he is asking you. Am I going to trust him with this? Ask yourself, is he big enough? Is he strong enough? Is his forgiveness deep enough? Is his love wide enough? Is he creative enough? Is he intelligent enough? Is he close enough? Will you trust him? I want to read to you a little bit of my favorite chapter in The Desire of Ages by Ellen White. Maybe you know it well or maybe you haven't heard it before, but if you want some encouragement, these four pages of this chapter I would highly recommend to you this afternoon I've gone to it over and over and over again 
It says the elder brother of our race, that's Jesus. He's your big brother, Ariel. You have four big brothers and two dads. The elder brother of our race is by the eternal throne. He looks upon every soul who is turning his face toward him as the savior. He knows by experience what are the weaknesses of humanity, what are our wants, and where lies the strength of our temptations. For he was here. He walked this lonely valley, and he walked it by himself, and sometimes with disciples, and sometimes it was easier by himself, sometimes with a crowd. He knows because he was an always tempted as we, and yet without sin. He's watching over you, trembling child of God. Are you tempted? He will deliver. Are you weak? He will strengthen. Are you wounded? He will heal. The Lord, God Almighty, the Lord strong in power, the Lord telleth the number of the stars. He's the transcendent creator God, and yet he's closer than a brother. He's not a God that is far off. He is a God that is near, the word says. And he telleth the number of the stars, yet heals the broken in heart and binds up their wounds. Come unto me, is his invitation. And I love this. Whatever your anxieties or trials, spread your case out before the Lord. This isn't prayer worrying. This is telling in detail. This is what I'm worried about. This is the end that I see that I'm concerned about. This is the result I'm concerned about. What if, what if, Jesus, this is how it makes me feel. This is what I would do in the car when Jeff and I had an hour and a half in Kentucky to drive to work and back. I would spread out my case before Jeff. I would tell him everything that had gone on at work. And he would tell me everything that had gone on at his work. And we still had about 45 minutes that we could talk about theology and philosophy and and the big things of the universe, which we love to do. It was a great time in our marriage, and I would love to have that drive again. We have to talk in sound bites sometimes now. Spread out your case before the Lord. And then what? Trust him. Your spirit will be braced for endurance. The way will be opened for you to disentangle yourself from embarrassment and difficulty. Do you know how many times I've quoted that to myself and to Jesus? Dear Jesus, you said you would disentangle me from embarrassment and difficulty, and I'm really embarrassed that I said that. Or this is a difficulty that I can't seem to unknot. The weaker and more helpless you know yourself to be, the stronger will you become in his strength. The heavier your burdens, the more blessed the rest in casting them on the burden bearer. When Gable was little, we didn't do a lot of sweets in the house. And uh, one time he really wanted a cookie. And he, I, he had already kind of planned in his head how he was going to ask. He said, Mom, may I have a cookie? Say yes. Don't you love that? Like, you could be a salesperson. May I have a cookie? Say yes. Like, there's your answer. And I just want to say to you today, right now, and every morning, God asks you the same question. He says, child, will you trust me today? Say yes. 
because I'm trustworthy, because you need soul rest, because I want you to be healthy in body, mind, and soul, and in your relationships, because I want to give you gifts and have you know they came from me, because I want to speak to you and have you know that I'm not condemning, I'm helping. Today, Jesus is saying to you, will you trust me today? How will you answer him? Say yes.